from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. March 27th, the year is 2020. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee. I'm coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. Meanwhile, down there in Florida, he is partying on spring break right now. He took a little He took a little time away. He's got... Yeah, we're going he, wild he's, down here. He's, he's, you may have seen him chicken fighting on the sands of Daytona Beach. <laughs> His portable podcast studio is right up there on Miami Beach. It's our friend, our illustrious producer, Chandler String. Hello. Meanwhile, up there in Loveland, Virginia, he just has not been invited anywhere. He doesn't even know there's a quarantine right now. Just nobody's asked him out. It's our friend, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And coming to us from the West Coast, we're getting the, we're getting the West Coast That's updates right. on how things go out there in, the, in self-isolation in California. It's our friend, Propaganda. Hey, Prop. What's up? I got no shows until June. I mean, until August. Uh, That's what I meant oh, to say. Oh, man. I- how did that? Well, how did hey, the fans? How did the fans take the announcement? Yeah, I mean, because because that's unexpected. I mean, I felt immediately. I mean, I was watching basketball as a lot of people were the night yeah. that it all kind of went down and they cleared out the courts. But my my thoughts immediately went to artists yeah. who you know because when I saw fans clearing out of a basketball arena, obviously they can't go to a concert. I was prop, dude. What's it been like having to be in your industry? Yo, man? it's like. I have my friend Lyric Jones who I follow. She was like, it's like Instagram has become South by Southwest. There's just a bunch of different venues on it all the time. But it just, it forced us to be mad creative. There was definitely yeah. like the oh crap moment where you kind of panic when you're just, you're you're watching your calendar just empty out. Like I, try, I butchered the joke, yeah. but I was trying to say that like, yeah, I'm, I'm home till July anyway. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> so there's definitely the panic, but then there's the part of me that just like, personally that just remembers being you know struggle rapper like eating you know uh fried bologna sandwiches with bologna i borrowed from my neighbor you know what i'm saying that like (laughs) uh that where you have to get creative and you have to like get up and work because if honestly if you don't work you don't eat you know what i'm saying so like yeah it kind of it kind of kind of sparked that for me yeah do you feel like you've been able to uh because i i feel like personally uh, for me, a little bit, but also for so many people I've seen, self quarantine has bred some pretty, some pretty, uh, some pretty wild creativity that like teeters. It's on the brink between like insanity Dude. and genius, where they're creating these TikToks that are like, "You did this in 15 days. Imagine what you could do with a budget <laughs> and a little bit of dedication." Yeah. It's, well, it's well, wild. Props, you have, I mean, and Props got his own. He's got his own new show now, oh, Porigami Fridays. I mean, literally. <laughs> Yeah, he's invented a coffee show. <laughs> he's literally okay, Frop. Because here's the thing, man. You you are staying somewhat busy. You still have the Red Couch yeah. going. You're, yes. you're a phenomenal podcast that you do with your your wife Alma and and, and a rotating, uh, you know, friends and things like that. But tell yeah. me, all right, Porigami Fridays. All yes. right, so I went. To, me and you went to Montana uh, last yeah. year with our yeah. friend Brian from the company Mir, who makes these yes. incredible, like uh, high-end hydration products. Right? Yes. They're like it's this like Yeti, but not as broy. It's like way. Yes. I, he yes. would probably hate that I like even brought even even brought the name Yeti into it. But they but they do like cool stuff that like a little uh, insulated like wine thing. It, yes. it, they look way better in your cat. Cabinets than, yeah. than like a giant clunky you know steel cylinder mm-hmm. like they have this cool matte finish but they yeah. have this thing called the porigami which is this it, it, you can it, it, they call it por, it's called porigami because like a piece of origami it's made of tiny flat matte pieces of metal that folds up you can put it in your back pocket yeah. but you can unfold it put it on top of a, a coffee mug put a filter in there and do pour over so that's where the porigami element yes. comes tell me what what is for people that haven't checked it out yet what is porigami fridays yeah, so Porigami Fridays is an Instagram live where I'm going to do different little home brew methods, like hacks, kind of the stuff that I do, just crack jokes while I'm talking um, or while I'm doing it. And we're going to feature, you know, again, different mirror products, uh, the Porigami itself, which you can, you know, get a get a, a personalized one for my website. Um, but also we're going to rotate and feature uh, coffee roasters that, um, I'm enjoying that have partnered with me. I'm going to send out some like discount codes. Since you can't go to no shop anyway, you need to learn how to 
roast your stuff at home or, or brew your stuff at home and you got to still sip well. There's no reason the quality of coffee that you're consuming should change at this moment when all these roasters will mail this stuff to your house, right? That's we're right. Gonna actually, I mean, yeah, and we're going to talk to the roasters um, and let them talk about sort of like, you know, what their, what their beans are all about, who they work with. And it's going to be real fun. I mean, it's super nerdy. But at the same time, I always get these texts like, prop, I'm in LA. Where should I go get coffee? I'm like, first of all, that's like the, we're the second largest city in America. So, I mean, where in LA? Like, I mean, help yeah. me. You understand what I'm saying? Or, uh, hey, I went to Seattle. Where should I drink coffee? I'm like, you in the yeah. craft coffee capital of the world? Like, anywhere, right? So, now I'm able to be like, okay, listen, here's what I drink. Here's why I like it. Here are these people. So that's Friday mornings, 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Um, yeah, just talk to me and Mir and Coffee Roasters. Well, listen, Prof, I'm going to offer my services. Uh, I have a special blend and I support, listen, man, I support the the coffee brewers out there, the people that are working to elevate the craft. Yeah. I'm talking, my in my special blend, one scoop of Dunkin', one scoop of Folgers, hey. top it off with some chock full of nuts. Hey. You know, that's a, that is, that is a, that is, that's the working man's brew. That's a blue collar coffee blend. right well, there. It's a good blend, man. Self-quarantine it's- is breeding a lot of really creative, <laughs> uh, innovative, uh, in this case, uh, cooking, I guess you'd call it roasting. Yeah. Uh, that's cool, Jesse. That's, I'm excited. Yeah. To- it's a great brew method. Not mad at you all. <laughs> Prof, I want the other thing I want to talk. I feel like the, okay, the, what, like, the, I feel like the elephant in the room here is like every time we've done one of these podcasts under quarantine, do you guys struggle with this too? Obviously, this is a very serious situation, the, yeah. this global pandemic. A lot of people are suffering. Um, and, and, and we, all three of us, uh, I'm sure, you, you know, all three of us are practicing self isolate or four of us, uh, Chandler, yeah. uh, are practicing self isolation. Totally. And we're, we're social distancing. And, you know, so we want to reiterate how, how important this is. But do you ever like, you know, when you, when you get on and you're doing the poor guy, Fridays, you're doing red couch, you're doing a pod like this. Are you just like, listen, let's just establish that. But we also, people need to laugh and joke around a little. Totally. Like, mm-hmm. like totally. do you find that hard or are you like, dude, let's no, just lean into it. No, and have like fun. there's something that like your listeners, I mean, I hope, I hope you got more than four black people that listen. Uh, but <laughs> the thing is about our, about black America is that's really, that's how we cope with trauma. That's why black Twitter is so funny. The best is Twitter. We, yeah. yeah. We black Twitter is like that because we cope with drama, with trauma through humor. Right. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like we're not taking it serious. We're taking it very yeah. serious. It's just, just like slavery was, it was very serious. We still crack yeah. jokes about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we crack jokes about being poor. We crack jokes about all this stuff, but it's because that's how we deal with trauma. So, I don't mind making jokes. As a matter of fact, that's an important part as far as I'm concerned, as far as my culture to experiencing this, right? Uh, And even making fun of people that not taking it serious, like is the way that rather than like yelling and screaming, like you're putting people's lives in danger by leaving your house is us by cracking jokes about it and saying, but no, seriously, stay home, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I had this, I went into like this, this whole diatribe with my father, you know, Vietnam War vet, civil rights vet, yeah. Black Panther, you know what I'm saying? In his seventies, like, son, I'm covered in the blood. Son, I, I, I you know, I, I, I lived through a war. I lived through Jim Crow. I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and just the typical, just, and, and this is the first time in my life I ever yelled at my father. I've never in my life yelled at him, you know what I'm saying? Or, or cussed at yeah. him ever. Ever. My dad's a G. You know what I'm saying? Like you just don't talk to him like that. It was the first time in my life I did. Right. And and one of the one of the arguments I was having with him, and I was like, okay, yeah, you covered in the blood, but I mean, do you wear seatbelts? Like when you drive, do you wear a seatbelt? Like, I thought you was covered in the blood. You know what I'm saying? So so just this like and and I was joking, but dead serious. And he laughed and it was like all right, son, touche. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I do, I do, I do wear seatbelts. I'm like, yeah, you lock the door when you go home? Because you lock the door. I COVID you doesn't know you went to Vietnam. COVID doesn't know or care. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know his war record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> that boy Lecrae was like, <laughs> Lecrae, we were up there, we cracking jokes. He was like, man, I had to tell my family, well, go ahead on outside and go ahead on outside. You live through the civil rights. You finna really march with Dr. King. <laughs> <laughs> right now, you about to march with Dr. King. I was like, <laughs> in the glory. 
<laughs> yeah, in the, in the great, in the great beyond. Yeah, it, I, I think it was Kirsten Powers, our our good friend, who yeah. I saw on Twitter say it was something along the lines of butcher delivery. But you know, she was talking about the frustrations that she had telling her mother, who I believe she said in the tweet was like in her eighties, that she, you know, hey, you can't go out, you can't keep just popping in like the neighborhood bodega, yeah. whatever. It's not like it's not like that right now. Yeah. And she was like, my mom is putting me through the stress that I put my mom through when I was a teenager. Yes. And yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, that's what, that's what all like, I feel like anyone who's like a millennial right now that yeah. has like parents that are a little bit older, it's like, mom, dad, did this what it feels like yes, when I is was it. at 16 and I blew off curfew and you were worried about me? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, I'm worried cars. about, yeah. I'm worried about every one of my parents' generation. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> you know, we hopping in the car, your homeboy, 16 years old, drunk off some wine coolers and we just swerving through at downtown LA. You know what I'm saying? They like, son, not only are you going to die, your friends going to die, everybody on the road going to die. <laughs> and that's what we're telling, so that's telling what we're telling mama. our parents. But we're not telling them about DUIs. We're telling them about, you can't just go and like walk down the aisle and write up on somebody. You can't, you know, this isn't normal times. Use online ordering. Like this it's, is, this is introducing. tool available for you. Th- yes. This is this is introducing a whole generation of like baby boomers totally. to technology, like ordering groceries online Dude. or like Uber Eats or something. And what's crazy yeah. is like I'm finding like my mom, who's always kind of been ahead of the curve. Like my mom is like fine. She FaceTimes with my daughter. We yeah. like I'll like I'll take a picture of like a coloring book page. I'll text it to her. She'll print it out on her side. They're coloring together. Like my mom is like ahead of the curve. Knew what's up. I had to yell at my father. I just don't understand. Do you think that's how both of them? Yeah, go ahead. No. Well, it's, do you think it's that generate? I feel like that was a and I've been pretty I've seen a lot of people talking about this on social media. I have not I have not experienced this with my own dad yet. But um, but he's in medicine. Though. Yeah, well, my medicine. dad's a healthcare professional, so he's so oh, he's so kind of like so he's different. got uh, got a little bit of perspective <laughs> yeah. on this. But a lot of people are are uh, there's that generation where masculinity is kind of tied to how much of yeah. a not big deal you can make about something. Like yeah. if you like <laughs> the degree to which I assume everybody else is overreacting is my own. But like that's my masculinity. That's how I prove what a cool, what a tough guy I am. It's that that devil may care. Uh, like put on yourself like the deal with it. Sunglasses going down. Like, well, it's not going to come for me. It seems like that's a very that's a very boomer male mentality. It must be a survival mechanism. I've had to give that to my father of being like, well, I guess when you survive what you had to survive, you had to just believe you're invincible. If not, yeah. you're gonna just. I guess that's true. Crumple over and die. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I do wonder too if it if the generational because I've been in a scenario where everyone my age can look at what's happening and say this is a bad idea. Yes. <laughs> Whether it's the older men who's like, no, no, I'll be fine. Like one time, this is true. I had a friend who's like, hey man, I got invited to participate in this boxing thing. It's like for charity, and we're going there. It'll be fine. I wear headgear. Boxing. I wear headgear, and I'm gonna and, and I'm boxing for charity. He was like a former. He was a former special forces guy in the military, jacked dude, right? Yeah. And I was like, all right. I mean, you know, in my head, I'm like, that this is fine, right? I mean, it's they're going to wear headgear, they're wearing big yeah. gloves. You know, how bad could it be? And he's like, no, nah, it'd be cool. So we go, and it's at this like rundown like moose lodge. Okay, <laughs> like I don't even know, I don't even know what moose lodges do, right? I don't even know who hangs out there. But this night they were, ha- and I was thinking like, okay, this is like a charity event. Obviously, this is sanctioned. That someone is throwing this, no, and no. like, no, no, no. This was as sketch as it could be. And it was packed in there. Yeah. I mean, I guarantee you we were against fire code, but it was just one of those things. No one say anything. And my buddy is on because because he was like a you know former military dude. He was like on the top card. OK, oh my but gosh. there was like seven or eight fights beforehand. And as soon as I walked in, I looked at the face of everyone that was in my friend group that came to support our buddy. It was like. This is a terrible idea, right? Someone's going to die tonight. <laughs> like, this is terrible. Like, there were dudes walking into the ring in jeans. They had, like, what? just gotten, like, some of these cats were, like, you could tell they just walked off a construction site. Oh like, went in there, and they started throwing just haymakers. <laughs> like, now I was thinking, no one here is a boxer. There's no <laughs> one. I don't know if this person's ever boxed before. I mean, for the way he's punching, I don't even know if he's seen a boxing match. Like, these guys are literally too 
large men just wildly throwing punches. Thankfully, most of them were in terrible shape. Yeah. And so they got like gassed immediately. 30 yeah. Yeah. 30 seconds. So, so they were too tired to hurt sure. another. But a couple guys started landing blows, and you're looking at people, and no one wants to be the one like, should we be here? That's <laughs> a great idea. I, I, I mean, I know this is for charity. There's got look, how much are you trying to raise? But if we just pitch in, we Everybody can do this. Pitch in 20 bucks. We'll be fine. And we're not, I'm not going to watch some dude in in sweatpants and and a tank top, you know, <laughs> suffer a, a catastrophic yeah, <laughs> head injury here. Yeah. Like everyone was looking, this is a bad idea. But the older, it was the older dudes there that was like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Let's just keep boxing. <laughs> and it was, it was the most insane Relax. thing. I, I felt very uncomfortable, but very alive when I was yeah. there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I felt yeah. very alive. I felt like everyone knew we shouldn't be there, but we were there. And I'm going to be honest, that was kind of cool. But it wasn't cool watching these out of shape dudes that I saw a guy eating a burrito five minutes before he stepped <laughs> into a boxing <laughs> ring. <laughs> Hey, hey, I'm up. I'm up. It's my turn. Okay. Yeah. And he was drinking. He was drinking a beer too. Like it was not. These were not athletes. You He's know. Like, I don't know where the moose lodge stomach. found these guys. Yeah, I don't know where the moose lodge found these guys. But so this was this was this the sort of situation where you could have just want like, hey, I went in on this. What do I have to do? Like, could you have thrown down? No like, one would have said anything. Okay, if yeah. I would have just jumped into the ring when two other guys were boxing and just did an unheard of three man <laughs> boxing match, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye. I just be like, all right, there's another dude and they're punching people that's kind of cool this is one of those type of situations so real quick if people want to oh, real quick if people want to tune into poor gami fridays how can they do it oh yeah it's just right on my instagram just prop hip-hop just head on right, over at 9 a.m uh pacific time oh, i'll be there i'll be there yeah dude uh hey prop you're uh you're not the only guest we got joining us today in a little Word. bit here we're bringing on our friend david kinneman president of the Barna group. Hey. I was curious what David thought about how, what this, uh, what, what self-isolation, a little bit of time of quarantine is going to do for churches. Obviously no one's going to church right yeah. now. Uh, hopefully none of you are going to church right now. And I wanted to get David's perspective on what this will mean for churches. And, and he had a lot of insights from his perspective. Barna obviously knows more about the situ- the church situation in America than just about anybody. So I appreciate his perspectives. That is going to be coming up. But first off, we're going to check out the hot list. That's after the break. You're listening to Jellyfish by Colin Royce. Beginning of the podcast, you heard Spell by Hot Chip. All right, time for our weekly look back at the top five stories of the intersection of faith and culture that caught our eyes this week. It's time for... It's the hot list. The hot list. It's sizzling. Okay, number five this week, Haley Bieber, Mrs. Justin, and uh, Miley Cyrus. Talked about Christianity and the church on Miley's Instagram story. Okay, so hey, prop, you need to get them. Hold on, real quick, prop. You need to get Miley and Haley Bieber on Origami Fridays. They're if willing can, to talk about faith. They're doing. They're doing their own show with Miley. Yeah. I don't know if their coffee. Bring them in. I'll try to bring them in. Coffee situation. They could talk about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Haley recently joined Miley Cyrus for an edition of her Instagram series, Bright Minded, Live with Miley. The two opened up about their thoughts about faith and Christianity. Haley and her husband, Justin Bieber, have been open about the role that faith and church play in their lives and marriage. Her father, actor Stephen Baldwin, is also vocal about his faith and raised his daughter going to church. That's true. Haley explained in this video, quote, I think there's a difference between being raised in church and being an adult and having your own relationship with God and Jesus and spirituality, because what my relationship was with faith getting raised that way is completely different than me in my own journey as an adult. I found a church community that works for me where I feel supported and loved and accepted. Miley Cyrus also grew up in a religious family, though she says she, quote, fell off that path. As she grew older, explaining, quote, I had a hard time finding a relationship with God that worked for me as an adult. Her father, Billy Ray Cyrus, has spoken openly about faith. He told CBN that his father was a Pentecostal preacher. Now, Miley identifies as pansexual and said that the way mm-hmm. that she observes Christians treating her LGBTQ friends influenced her thoughts about faith in church. She said, quote, I had some gay friends in school 
That's the reason why I left my church is that they weren't being accepted. They were being sent to conversion therapies. I had a hard time with me finding my sexuality too. Bieber later said, quote, I believe that Jesus is about loving people no matter where they are in life. I've always had a hard time with church making people feel excluded and not accepted and they can't be a part of it because of what they believe in and who they love. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's that's uh, Haley and Miley's thoughts on Christianity in the church. See, I, I, I saw a couple reactions when we posted this online and people were like, oh, Haley, Bieber, Miley Cyrus, why don't we just have them talk about rocket science too by that? And I was like, dude. Oh, brother. I, and that's <laughs> what I like. We should be celebrating conversations about yeah. faith. It doesn't, you know, especially when it's people of influence. I feel like a big problem that people have had with faith and faith conversations is it's one of those topics that was traditionally taboo, right? People said, oh, don't talk about faith and politics. People talk about politics all the time, right? (laughs) What's the, like, the more you can normalize conversations about faith, no matter what the outcome of those conversations are, I think it's a net win because it allows people to be comfortable, not just expressing their questions about Christianity, but Christians to express, you know, concerns that they have about the, the way the church is mm-hmm. and just being more authentic people. Prop, what's your take on on Miley and Haley kind of using their platform yeah. to, to have this kind of a conversation? Yeah, I think the thing that the thing that bothers me <laughs> start there the is just this like idea that you have to be a bona fide expert before you can talk about something yeah. that all of us are all experiencing and talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like they they are talking about how they feel about their faith. None of these people, they not pastors. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They just people just like us, right? And we do it all the time. We talk about stuff we're not experts about, yeah. right? Every human talks about stuff that we're not experts on, right? So it's just like, like man, like why can't they have feelings about stuff that every other feel, every other human got feelings about? So I just think like I enjoy the fact that they fully evolved people you know what i'm saying and they're and they're showing that they're fully developed humans and not just like avatars or characters Mm -hmm. it's like no like i think about i think about faith just like you think about faith. here's what i think about it Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like dang let them live you know (laughs) and and, and the people that throw shade because it's not just miley and Haley bieber you hear there's any celebrity that's talking about anything it it could be Mm -hmm. someone like it, you know, Chris Pratt or, you know, any of the any of these celebrities that are openly talking about faith, you know, or, or like the I do Tebow think it's worse types. for I do think it's worse for young women. I, I, I do yeah, think that there is yeah, a totally there is a misogynist streak about young T like the fact that these are young in Miley's case, especially pop stars. There's this idea that she must be well, an idiot. What, well, yeah. and even sports like stick to sports. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. dude. So like, I think that, that that stuff only comes out when somebody talks about something you don't agree with. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. If you just disagree with them, you like, oh, stick to your sport. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Look, dog. Okay, just because you don't like what they're saying, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to if me, you that, can't that, engage with what they're what what they're saying, and you have to go right for their identity. Consider what that means about where you're coming from. Yeah. Like, yeah, you totally. Take that as a red flag. Okay, so the next time you cook dinner for your children, I'm going to be like, stick to accounting. Like, nah, (laughs) fool. Like, we all do a lot of things, you know? And and, and newsflash to anyone who's throwing shade at a celebrity or pop star, you know, Miley Cyrus and Haley Bieber, I guarantee you, are more successful and more talented and, you know, than any of their critics. Like, they don't get they didn't get to where they are on accident. They have massive platforms because they're incredibly talented people. And, you know, the fact that they're normalizing faith conversations should be celebrated, you know, like Christians shouldn't be able to monopolize conversations about Jesus. You know what I mean? Let other people opposite of what we're going for. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that like the talking about how the fact, the fact that gay people feel excluded from the church, you can say they're not experts, but we're about to have a church expert on David Kinnaman who would say the exact same thing based on his, based on reams of research. So it's not like they're saying things that are ill-informed. This lines up with the reality. Uh, I I think it's cool. And, and Miley and Haley, we'd love to have you on sometimes. That'd be rad. Yeah, we're on poor God. We got, we're on poor God. We got nothing else going on. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, they're sitting at home just like we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Number four this week. Uh, this is good. Jake Johnson is sending self quarantined kids personalized voice messages from Spider Man. Okay, so Jake Johnson 
is the former New Girl star. He's the voice of Peter Parker on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He is currently self-isolating and trying to figure out ways to pass the time and help other people through the coronavirus pandemic. And he's found a way to kill two birds with one stone. He's giving kids stuck at home a personalized, encouraging voice memo from Spider-Man himself. Johnson took to Instagram to say he heard a lot of parents are killing time with their kids by watching Into the Spider-Verse, and it inspired him to put his character role to good use. He said, quote, if your child is home from school and wants a quick encouraging message from Peter Parker, then send me an email with their name and I'll try to send over a short voice note. If I don't get to you, I apologize. If you are a parent and you're interested, you can send an email to Peter B. Parker says hi at gmail.com. Pretty heartwarming. For him. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty heartwarming. Good for him. Now we we are I'm not a parent. I don't yeah. have any, I can't put this to you. I would love a message from Peter Parker that would be encouraging, but I'm, yeah. you know, integrity. I'm not going <laughs> to, there's nothing preventing you from, you know, shooting your shot. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm Good not going to, I'm, I'm going to be better than that. Jesse, did you, did you send an email in? No, I, I thought about it. Noah's pretty into Spider-Man. <clears throat> he, he loves Spider-Man prop. Is this something you would do? I would do it. I, I mean, I got girls yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, they're not, if, if Adam driver was doing this, then my uh, yeah. my fourteen year old would lose their mind. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, 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 yeah. yeah. Who would be your celeb if you and it was just it wasn't you weren't gonna be able to interact. You weren't gonna be able to write back. It was just like a 15, 20 second encouraging note from a fictional character that you knew in your heart wasn't that actual character. It was just the actor. Who would you? What would you use? Oh my God, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Number, there's no hands down I want a call from Ricky Bobby <laughs> That's it. you can get him to pray for you oh like, man are you kidding you me you are go. you kidding if Ricky Bobby left a voicemail saying he's praying to dear lord baby Jesus about my home being quarantined and that my kids would grow up to be a strong and powerful <laughs> walker and Texas Ranger are you kidding me I, like oh my gosh I'd figure out how to print the audio. (laughs) I think I would take, I think I would take uh, Charlie from always sunny. He's just a high energy guy. And I appreciate that. Sometimes you could probably sell these, you know, yeah, you exactly. can give these, you can give these away. Which I've been, I've been yeah. contemplating getting on. I just feel like you should do it. I would, I oh see, man, I would, I would use, I have your phone number and I would still pay you to get a little message. Let me, let, let me ask you this because let's say you're considering the cameo thing, right? Where's the line? Because we, mm. we played a clip on this pod a while ago where they had the dude from Sugar Ray. What's his Mark McGrath? Yeah. He's on cameo and somebody paid Mark, Mark, some, some woman out there, her boyfriend was a big Sugar Ray fan. That yeah. should tell you enough Number about one. the relationship. Yeah. It was doomed. It's a red it was flag. doomed from that it's point. A red flag. Yeah. Huge red flag. Big, big Sugar Ray guy probably owns some fedoras. Uh, so he, she, <laughs> sorry, that was mean. I don't know why. I blow the belt there. Leave it in. It was, Leave it, it was, it was, yeah, I don't care. You I don't care. What do I, yes. I don't want, what, what's Mark McGrath going to do? No, but in the, in the video, real talk, Mark McGrath seemed like a legit dude. We play, he seemed like a, the great, a super nice guy, but this girl paid Mark McGrath to do a cameo video for people who don't know. Cameo is a service where uh, celebrities and actors and performers and athletes, you can pay them uh, a fee for them to send you custom video messages. So anyway, this girl paid Mark McGrath to call her boyfriend or to leave a voice to, to leave a video message of Mark McGrath breaking up with the boy. Oh my God. For, 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 for the girl. It was unbelievable. So my question for you, Prop, is where's the line? Would you break up with somebody? Would you give them like medical news? Would you announce like a pregnancy? Where, where's your line for if so many yeah. people hit you up on Cameo? Uh, the, the, the line has a ratio with how much you pay me. Because, <laughs> sure, sure. because <laughs> the I'm line still, is flexible. Yeah, the line is flexible because I'm still I'm still on the fence about joining in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I just, I, I, I know I have, I have friends on there who are, you know, doing very well with it. And the people, it's a, it's a social contract. People like are willing, they love it. You know what I'm saying? They feel like it's worth their money. You know what I'm saying? But part of me is like, I don't know, man. I think once <laughs> I, I feel like if I hop that fence, the sky's the limits. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because I've already done the, the conflicting work to even join it in the first place. But if somebody was like, Hey, I need you to call this fool and tell him or her how much I can't stand him. 
<laughs> I, I feel like I would work on my tone, but I would be like, hey, look, dude, here's the thing, man. <laughs> Becky can't stand you because like, I, listen, please don't kill the messenger. She paid me to do this. I would even tell her she paid me to do this. Maybe y'all should talk or maybe don't talk because yeah. she's Becky can't stand you, homie. Now, here's a here's a here's a here's a here's a promo code to my website. <laughs> you can get something free, dog. Because good get Lord, Lord, sweet the deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good yeah. man. I'm yeah. sorry, homie, but it's done. It's done. But in the meantime, here's a free cup. <laughs> but you would maybe break up a situation on my like. I call you. I'm too scared and nervous to break up with my girlfriend. On yeah, so I say prop. She's she's a huge fan. She's not going to like this, but she'll like it a little more coming from you, which I don't hey. think is true. I don't think no, no matter how much I like somebody, hey, it I would still it, feel it, like it, it, it's it would stay. What's your problem? Is a coward. Exactly. Uh, yeah. This yeah. is this yeah. is probably better for you. Mm, um, yeah. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I swear to you. For someone to pay me to break up with you means you didn't want to be with this guy. Uh, yeah. In the meantime, go to prophiphop.com. <laughs> Here's a free t-shirt. Get you something nice. Get you this something this nice. feels like an audition for Cameo. And so far, as far as I'm concerned, you're really passing. This that was, that was $700. That so maybe was $700. I should do it. Yeah, well that was $700. I, would, I would have paid $700 for that easy. Easy. Yeah. If I had Sheesh, it. Was, what am I yeah. doing? I, was, I think okay. you got to go for it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> number three this week. Oh, man. Elon Musk says he will make ventilators if there is a shortage because of coronavirus. Okay. Well, there is a shortage. So. <laughs> yeah. There, well, there is there, one. There's, so. there's, there's some stuff to unpack no here. I, I got some I let's, let's get the details. So one of the major concerns about the coronavirus outbreak is that if enough people become infected with COVID-19, which affects the respiratory system, hospitals will run out of ventilators. This could mean doctors would have to choose who lives and who dies if two patients need the same machine. However, Elon Musk recently said on Twitter that he will be willing to make more if there is a shortage. He explained on Twitter, quote, Tesla makes cars with sophisticated HVAC systems. SpaceX makes spacecraft with life support systems. Ventilators are not difficult, but cannot be produced instantly. He's right that his company, SpaceX and Tesla, make highly sophisticated machines, but there is also some reason for skepticism. It was only two weeks ago that Musk tweeted, the coronavirus panic is dumb long after experts had sounded the alarm about an impending crisis. There's also the infamous Thai cave rescue debacle of 2018 after a rescue diver in charge of freeing children who had accidentally gotten stuck in a dangerous underwater cave called Musk's plan to invent a submarine to do the job impractical. Musk got sued for calling him a pedo guy. In the lawsuit case, which Musk ended up winning, the eccentric inventor was called a, quote, thin-skinned billionaire who is obsessed (laughs) with his public image and who has a history of vindictively and intentionally ignoring truth to maintain that PR-created image. All this in addition to the fact that Musk once promised to help fix the water situation in Flint, Michigan for, quote, any house in Flint that has water contamination above FDA levels. That turned out to be an exaggeration although Musk did eventually donate $500,000 to Flint Community Schools. And there's also the fact that intentionally there already is a shortage in ventilators as coronavirus cases continue to grow. The fact that Musk is asking Nate Silver where the ventilator shortages are isn't a great sign. (laughs) I feel like the the write-up there kind of says a lot of what we need to say. (laughs) But my question is because, like, listen, if if Elon Musk, who's a billionaire and has lots of resources, wants to start cranking out ventilators, obviously that would be an incredible, incredible thing. I think you should do it. But Elon Musk, again, as you pointed out, Tyler, has a history of kind of making these yeah. statements. And I can't figure that dude out. Did you guys, I uh, and a lot of people I've seen around, did you guys watch when he did his infamous Joe Rogan, Rogan interview? Thing. Oh, yeah. Where he was just stoned yeah. the whole time. And, and yeah, uh, he's, well, well, it wasn't, I, see, I don't know, it, it's, his whole persona where he acts like a like a robot or like an alien that's posing as a billionaire do you guys what, what do you think it'd be like to hang out with elon musk for one night do you think it'd be weird, the weirdest night of your life or you think he's like a yeah. normal cat when he's not like on camera no i think there is a certain there's a there's a clear threshold when you hit a certain dollar amount yeah you just that's some, what i think it just it something just makes turns you, off. Something yeah. you, you turns turn off. into like a Bond villain. Yeah, yeah, you're just not with the rest of us because I think that there's the 
there's a few. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I just think one of them okay. is like the part of you that doesn't believe anyone actually understands you because you just exist in this other sphere of things. The part of you that's like legit lonely because you're terrified that no one actually really likes you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then yeah. you're so now you're paying. You're paying for access. Like I've had friends who've gotten like, hey, can you come perform for me and my kids? I'll pay you $500,000 just to perform at my house. And you get there and they're not really performing. It's just, we just want you to hang out. And it's just like, it's it's so just these like, I just think something, your brain turns off when you hit a certain dollar amount and you just, yeah, I don't know. Not, not only that, what, what you know, I've watched. We've all watched those like movies where there's like a super villain, yeah. right? And the the super villain wears like a weird uniform. Like it was parodied famously, like with Doctor Evil totally. in in Awesome Powers. But this is what happens to these cats, man. Mm-hmm. Like Steve yeah. Jobs wore the same thing every day. Like Jeff Bezos has a uniform now, which is basically like a fleece sweater and a tight t shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Elon Musk is is like you know the black t shirts. It's like. If Elon Musk just started walking around in that silver Doctor Evil onesie, I don't think anyone would think it's I don't weird. Think anyone would, would like, think oh. I would just be like, no, oh, but that's it's just the natural evolution of these no. guys. Uh, and he and I think that he has the me. I, I don't think he's like. I don't think he's lying. I think he actively wants people to. He 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 sees these needs and he's like, I could meet that need. Uh, and he just spouts it off. And but then the wait, actual wait, logistics of. Wait, Tyler, you're telling me that someone with a power, a position of extreme power would go in front of the American people regularly and and <laughs> say facts that he wants to be true, even though they aren't true. You're telling me that can happen? Just, I don't believe you. I don't I've never it. witnessed in such 2020? a thing. <laughs> Especially, I sound like I would see it on a daily basis during news briefings. That just doesn't happen, Tyler. Where actual lives are in danger? Nah. <laughs> it's I don't I because you want you don't want to like discourage somebody who's at least saying they want to try to help and has at some in some cases I think done some things that are helpful. Like I, I want there to be electric cars to reduce the, yeah, the you know yeah. the environmental. Sure. And I'm glad that that sort of exists for people in a certain tax bracket right now, thanks to Elon Musk. Yeah. But uh, but this thing where he just jumps in. Uh, without thinking about any of the actual factors or having any ba- having any idea of what the reality is and says, I'm here to fix it. He sees himself as being this superhero, but it comes across way more like, uh, what's the name of the bad guy in, in The Incredibles? The, uh, that person, yeah, I remember yeah. that movie. He, he gives me that yeah. vibe a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, I hope he goes through with it and yeah. I don't want to disparage. I, I don't want to disparage because generosity. it's really like in, in his, in his defense, like, I mean, yeah, it's probably it's not hard. Thing. Yeah. And it's I mean, probably not hard. It would take a while. Space, yeah. It's probably yeah. not hard. Yeah. If, if you're just like, <laughs> yeah. If you're like, I, I put a, I put an electric car in space. <laughs> yeah. I, literally- a, I think I can make a ventilator. You're right. You could probably make a 20 of them, but you know what I'm saying? But the truth is, yeah, it would take a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but mm-hmm. I bet you in spare parts, if he wasn't trying to make the Tesla of ventilators, uh-huh. you know yeah, what I'm saying? Where yeah. they have to look like Tron. You know what I'm saying? But if he was just like, no, I just, I'm just going to make, this just needs to function. Like if, yeah. if his brain could click into like, oh, this is just functional. It doesn't have to be sexy. Mm-hmm. I don't have to make the Michael Bay version. You know what I'm saying? That's just, good, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm worried that he would spend too much time on the color scheme. And yeah, no, just I'm just like, there. just make, just make, the, just make the ventilator, bro. Just make that, the ventilator. That's the thing, dude. I've seen him land a rocket vertically. I've seen a yeah. rocket shoot in reverse from outer space and land as soft as softly as it can, perfectly upright in a field. Elon Musk can ask, absolutely make a bunch of ventilators if he can yes. do that. And I hope he does. I hope he does. He said mm-hmm. he publicly will. And, it, you know, I, but, I hope but it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hope it's not just bluster. Yeah. So, but Tyler, speaking of someone who isn't just uh, oh, uh, yeah, have a history story. of bluster, this was this is a good positive, one. This is a good positive one. story. Okay. Number two, Taylor Swift is just straight up Yay. giving away thousands of dollars to out of work fans. So the COVID-19 pandemic has sent the economy reeling and along with it, the job market on Thursday, it was announced that 3.3 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week. That shatters the previous record of 685,000 shatters the previous record in the U S and joblessness also often means a lack of health insurance, which is obviously less than ideal. 
during a global health crisis. In light of that, Taylor Swift has reportedly been reaching out to fans who've been posting about being out of work and sending them thousands of dollars. A few fans posted the private messages they got from Swift, most of them understandably hyperventilating with joy and relief. Swift reached out to a fan who posted about not being able to afford living in New York City after her work dried up following the outbreak. Swift wrote, quote, you've always been there for me. I want to be there for you right now. Another fan named India Rose watched her freelance work disappear and wrote on Tumblr that she didn't know how she was going to afford to make rent. Later that day, Swift jumped into her DMs and asked her for her PayPal to send her $3,000. She wrote, wow. I'm so sorry things are tough right now. I'd like to gift you $3,000 to help ease Sheesh. that strain. And there wow. are a few other stories like that as well. Sheesh. And that's, yeah. that is a, I think what I like about this is, I think that we sometimes people who are who are more financially secure forget that people just need money. Sometimes they don't need like yeah. You know, yeah. they don't need lunch. They don't need diapers. I mean, they they obviously yeah. do need these things too. But people need just straight up money. And where I know yeah. there's like a fear that well, I just want, don't want to give them a handout, but but they need money right now. They don't need it next week. Yeah. They don't need it on. They don't need it on, on at the end of April. They need money immediately. And so that somebody has that kind of money. Uh, is offering to to connect people who need money with just actual cash dollars is, uh, yeah. is instead of a, a gift card. I think that matters. I think that means something. I just don't, and I also don't understand why handout is such a cuss word. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. why is it, yeah. okay? What's wrong with what's wrong with giving somebody some money and trusting yeah. them to do what they should do? I don't understand why that's why that why, why that's, that's a, so bad. Such a bad yeah. thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I can't remember who what, you know, commentator was responsible for this cell phone and everyone sort of made the same observation. Tyler, I think you tweeted something about it. But like, uh, you know, there was some it was some other story sort of like this. And some, you know, commentator was like, you know, uh, you know, I think it was like a Christian, I think. And they were just giving away money for something. And mm-hmm. and there was some commentator that was like, you know, if that the real the real Christ like thing to do, it would be to teach a man to fish so that they can, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, I remember that Bible story where Jesus taught right? the 5000 to fish. Uh, uh, I yeah. remember that one. <laughs> totally. like, oh, what a parable. What a parable yeah, that shows Christ likes. <laughs> yeah. My favorite story that demonstrates the character and methodology of Jesus yeah. teaching the 5000. It's like, yeah. no. Oh, Jesus gave me my handouts all the time. That was the whole idea, yeah. man. Or like, I'll, they, I'd, yeah, I'd even push back at that guy and being like, okay, if you want to play that game, I would say the most Christ-like thing is to give them ownership of the lake. Yeah, 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 yeah. You ready? You ready to get? You ready to hand over the deed? Yeah, to the yeah, lake. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It, it, then I, shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's true. It's like. Yeah, yeah, handouts are part of our faith. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the central construct of most people's beliefs, of most Orthodox Christian theology, yeah. is that grace is unmerited, that it's undeserved, <laughs> that we all get a handout. It's called it's salvation, one, homie. Yeah, Christianity is a handout. Yes, it is literally <laughs> saying. You get salvation from the sin and pain of this world. You get restoration with God for free and there's nothing you can do to earn it. Like (laughs) that's all contract (laughs) of Christianity, you know? And what if God was like, oh, I don't want to give them grace because they're just going to be, they're just going to sin again. Why would I do? Why would well, I give be, them a gift well, when they're just gonna? Well, one, he'd be right, <laughs> yeah. and two, that's not that's yeah. not the way. Of, <laughs> but it's the mentality Jesus, we yeah. carry. It's the like such the oh, he's gonna spend my dollar on cocaine, like yeah, yeah like you have dollar. power over somebody. Yeah, at the end yeah. of the day, it's like if I give you money, I have power over you. Mm-hmm. So I get to say what you do with this because money means power. Which is mm-hmm. like, how are you calling that a Christian principle? Like where, how, what? It, it makes no, yeah. Like yeah. surrendering power. And that's what, like Taylor Swift doesn't know where this $3,000 is going to go. She doesn't even know if these people are lying about matter. being out of money. Yeah. And, they, she, and it doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Yeah, who people cares? need money. Really yeah, give. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's super cool. And I've seen other stories. Uh, I saw after I, after this slice came up, I saw Ariana Grande is doing the same thing. Um, there have been yeah, other stories of people throwing money. That's, I think it's cool. the downside of having a yeah. blue check. 
Yeah, on your gram. Taylor ain't been a DM me. It's like you, you're verified. You're fine. I'm like, no, I, I, my tour got canceled versus your tour getting canceled is different. Yeah. Different situation. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a writer like Shay Serrano. Uh, he covers a lot of NBA oh, stuff. But the, yeah. yeah, Shay's given away. I think upward of like twenty thousand dollars. Like just on a day to day basis, he'll jump on Twitter and be like, "All right, who who's you know what who's hurting bartenders today, waitresses today? Who yeah. needs some cash?" And just floating them, you know, a few hundred bucks. So Shay Serrano's great too. It's cool. So, so yeah. yeah, cool, cool, good follow. Uh, number one this week, Francis Chan explained. It kind of ties into this. Why right now is a huge opportunity for the church. As we've been reporting, Francis Chan is relocated to Hong Kong to be a missionary, but in the last few weeks, COVID-19 has changed life around the world, and now yeah. Chan has a message from his new home. This is an opportunity to share God's love with others. In a new YouTube video, Chan talks about his son's concern for people around the world who are suffering from the virus and how much it challenged him to look outward during the crisis. As he explains, the church is in a moment of opportunity to share God's love, to serve others, and to spread joy. It's an inspiring message during an uncertain time. Here is a clip of that. My prayer for you guys, number one, is that you stay loving, that that you, during this time, that you really be thinking, God, I love you. What do you want me to do out of love for you? And, and to be looking at the others around you in love and going, God, how can I serve these people? Because this is this is one of the greatest opportunities we've ever had as a church, where people are open to talking about serious things, life and death things, and, and suddenly we're no longer in control. So man, I understand it is crazy, but don't lose your love. Dude, I love Francis Chan and I love this message. I, I, I love the idea that, you know, what, the world rightly sees as a crisis because it is a crisis. And, yeah. But the, you know, but any crisis is an opportunity if you follow Christ, right? I mean, Ooh. that's you know the Ooh, whole. You ready to preach? Look at you. Here we go. That's here great. we go. That's here great. we go. I, one minute I can talk about an experimental three-man boxing match right. against <laughs> a guy who was eating a burrito and drinking a forty at a moose lodge. The next minute I'm going to jump right in to a little sermon. No, but With the the, great the, puns. The, that's what that is what Christianity is, right? I mean, it's Jesus in there, you know, injecting himself into a crisis and finding a solution for it. And yes. like, this is a crisis, and we are supposed to be the hands and feet of uh, of Christ. We, the church, is the body of Christ, right? This is an opportunity. We should find ways to help those in need and to to preach. You know, hopefully, give people some hope and encouragement. I, I appreciate Francis Chan a lot and 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 his kind of perspective in on, on this. Uh, pandemic. Yeah. And it's a, we were talking about, it's what we were talking about with you at the beginning prop is learning how to like, mm -hmm. you hate to say opportunity in a way that makes it sound opportunistic, yeah. right? Like yeah. this is not a, yeah. this is a crisis for all of us. And, 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 and I think Francis walks this line really well in his message. Cause we're, what we're not saying is, uh, this is ultimately a good thing because it's not. It's ultimately a bad thing, but we need I'm to totally, make sure yeah. that we are good things in the midst of this bad thing. Totally. And everybody's got a part to play and, and the opportunity totally. for us to do that really well is certainly there. And we've been trying to report on the cool stories happening during this and some of the, you know, raise the alarm about some of the distressing ones as well. Uh, and we'll keep trying to do that as long as this, as long as we're under quarantine. We have nothing else to do. Yeah. So we're <laughs> yeah. reporting more than yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll wrap it up for this week's. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's just when we come back, David Kinnaman joins us. You're listening to Resurrections by Lena Rain. All right. So David Kinnaman is the author of the best-selling books, Faith for Exiles, Good Faith, You Lost Me, and Unchristian. He is president of the Barna Group, a leading research and communications company that works with churches, nonprofits, and businesses ranging from film studios to financial services. I recently spoke with David just about how this pandemic is affecting churches from his vantage point, uh, what he's seeing happen with churches right now that aren't allowed to meet or aren't supposed to 
be meeting at this time and what that's going to mean for the future of the church here in America. Um, when I started just asking this question to myself, obviously, uh, David was the first person to came to mind as someone who might uh, have some sort of information based on his years of expertise and studying this sort of thing and just understanding how equipped churches are to weather something like this. Uh, he did caution me immediately, and, and I'll let him explain it to, to you all here in a second, that uh, we are all in unprecedented times, and a lot of what we're talking about here is going to involve some level of hypothesis and guesswork, obviously. We just don't know. Uh, in fact, what he called this a lot is uh, is sort of an experiment for churches uh, to, to see what's going to happen here, and they're going to have to try to pivot and try a lot of new things and see what works for their specific communities and, and congregations. Uh, here's him explaining that. I think on a longer horizon, it's a little hard to using social research to predict things. Um, you know, clearly there's going to be some fundamental changes to the way Americans think about the church gathered and the church scattered and kind of the ecclesiology of Americans belief system is, is I think going to be, you know, an interesting sort of real time experiment. And so, you know, I think that's going to be an interesting, you know, reality. Obviously calling it an interesting reality is sort of a understatement. And that's his, yeah. uh, that's his job is he's, you know, he's very clinical. He's just the facts and that's yeah. where we're at right now. But it's true that the longer this goes on, the more churches are going to have to, uh, to try things and, and churches that, especially ones that aren't already equipped with some sort of visual virtual setup are going to want to try to figure out how to do that. And that's going to be more challenging for some churches, especially smaller ones, especially rural ones than it is for others who are already set up with something like church home or Hillsong. But that's one of the reasons why his insights and insight from Barna is so valuable, you know, mm -hmm. because yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he kind of brings to the table uh, you know, that objectivity when, when it comes mm -hmm. to looking. And I think once we get on the other side of this, it'll be groups like Barna and people like David Kinnaman that, that we can really turn to to see what was effective, what wasn't. What, what are some strategies that churches were for, forced to adopt during this time that they can use from now on just to more effectively reach people? Yeah, exactly. And, and I know this isn't necessarily, we, we have a church leadership podcast. It's called Called and people should yeah, check it out. Uh, so we don't want to make this too <laughs> inside, inside baseball or anything here. But if you are interested, uh, the, uh, David does have, it's called churchpulseweekly.com. You can go there to connect with other pastors. You can uh, fill out your own, sir, help keep Bar the Barna Group sort of abreast of how you're doing and how your church community is doing in your view. I think that'd be very helpful both for Barna in terms of getting the some of the stats figured out here and just for you to see how other communities are doing. Uh, they had, uh, when I talked to David, they had just sort of wrapped their first uh, survey about how churches are dealing with this. So there's not a ton of info, but they did have some. Here's him talking about a few things, especially what's going to be, uh, it, it, this isn't boring stuff. This is important stuff. Uh, money. Well, what's money going to look like for churches in the coming year? And he uh, he had some insights into that. Well, we just finished up a, a kind of a first week look at some of the the, the differences, um, you know, the, the, some some of the challenges that local church leaders are are telling us that they're facing, and so we're looking at um, you know obviously f financial challenges. Uh, only two percent of, of churches said their giving increased, whereas the majority of them said there was a, a decrease. So I think just a financial hit is going to be among the first, I don't know if it's about primary, but it's certainly going to be one of the first challenges that churches are going to face. And that's going to make things like staffing and things like program and things like community service and things like even the viability of some of those churches are going to be hard hit. I think smaller churches are going to struggle more than mid and large sized churches. They won't have the kind of structure to sustain through a more prolonged period of financial disruption. 
So it's definitely yeah, a scary time. It's a scary for, time. We're all churches. we're all thinking in yeah. terms of money, right? You know, we're yeah. all thinking a yeah, little bit about to. having to cinch the belts right now, and that's where a lot of us are going to come in. You know, you heard him say, "I, I was surprised it was this high." Actually, that that he saw a three percent. There was a three percent of churches that said there was an increase in tithes. Wow! Uh, since wow. this is God, that's not a huge percentage point, but it is. I'm glad that people are even right now. Uh, there's people who are trying to dig deep. Because they know that yeah. that uh, their pastors and their churches are going to need them. That's that stuff that goes to people's salary, to pastors and church yeah. leaders' salaries, you know. And that's that's going to be important too. Not available to everybody right now. Obviously, we're all a little strapped, but uh, I, I hope the people who can give uh, are. And if you can't, obviously, that's not your fault at all. These are just these are just yeah. difficult times. Um, yeah. David introduced me to this interesting term I hadn't heard before uh, that he called worship shifting. Uh, it's something mm. that Barna's been looking at for a while, the shift to digital spaces for church. Now, uh, a, a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, when Church Home launched and that sort of put the idea of virtual church into the spotlight, there was a lot of skepticism, even from people uh, I think uh, we at Relevant were a little skeptical about what this is going to mean and is meeting online really a replacement for church. Those questions got outdated pretty quickly because now it's the only kind of church that's available to most of us, which has very quickly changed what church looks like for all of us in America. The question is, is this going to last? Like, is this going to, is the new virtual reality of going to church going to outlast the pandemic? Are we seeing a major shift uh, that we're not really going to come back from? And here here were David's thoughts. And he he stressed, and I'll stress too, these are just his thoughts because we don't know the answer right now. We call it worship shifting where, you know, like time shifting with, with stream services and DVRs, we found that, you know, not, not surprisingly millennials are the, are the segment of, of churchgoers who are the most likely to replace or to use other kinds of media, which, which is a broad sweep of television, radio, and other things, podcasting. But uh, 52% of millennials say they, they often, or about half the time, use these other resources instead of attending a church. And I think that, you know, Gen Xers, it's only 24%. Among boomers, it's only 11%. And so, you know, this, I think we'll have a real, a real-time experiment on the necessity of using uh, the digital worship shifting, digital worship replacement uh, tools. And um, I think that's also going to, you know, really at least in the, in the short run, I mean, we're already seeing some indication that, you know, pe- people um, miss their gatherings and they, they, you know, there, there's a sense of like, when we're back together, we're going to sing, you know, as though this, this is our uh, sort of sing as one with, 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 a, with a great, you know, a great voice. And so I think there's this real sense of, um, of it will also in, enrich and remind people of why we, why we need, you know, physical, to be in a physical place with others as well. I do think it's been interesting to see, and this is only anecdotal on my part, uh, that I've felt and I've seen a lot of people express that they're excited to go back, that, you know, you want to be, you mm-hmm. miss people. You want to go back and yeah. be with those people again. You don't, you don't really, I think we're all going to be, I think, think we're all going to be a little fed up with the digital experience at the end of this. And we'll look forward to, to meeting again, whether that, I mean, whether we're going to, whether we're going out to eat or going back to church. Yeah. And, and Tyler, funny, you and I were talking, uh, you know, in a sort of unrelated conversation earlier today about how we're looking forward to things like big sport sporting events yeah, or like watching yeah. SNL in front of a live studio audience again in, in that kind of community experience, because I think naturally people crave community. They crave you know, being mm-hmm. around other people in that shared experience. And there's no better example of that than worship on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was really helpful and, and the work that Barn is doing has, is great for keeping perspective on what's going on right now and hopefully for helping a few churches weather some of what's coming. Uh, do appreciate David taking time to talk to all of us and always appreciate the work that Barna does out there. We're grateful for their, for their help and what they're doing is really important. That was David Kinneman. Up next, Prop is going to give us his uh, quarantine recommendation. The Prop picks. The Prop picks. <laughs> <laughs>
You're listening to Tangerine by Carpet Burn. All right. While we're in self-quarantine, we've been trying to offer up some of our best recommendations for uh, streaming, for TV shows that we've been enjoying, movies that we've been enjoying that are out there that are easy to access. Props since we got you here this week. Uh, I wanted to hear what you've been watching. What are you? Uh, I, I think oh, I know man. what it's going to be. I, you I, already I, know. I, I give, us a, give us some prop picks. But give us some prop picks. Give, give, give me the, like the, it's, what, is it the one everyone's talking about? Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. Tell, give, uh, us give us your read on Tiger King. It's it's Tiger King because it is the most <laughs> brainless train wreck <laughs> that this is what you need in a time that's so serious. You need something for at least me and my wife sat down and watched two episodes. And for those two episodes, we forgot we yeah. were in a quarantine. We looked at yeah. each other and was like, dude, yeah. I totally forgot. Like we're yeah. in a pandemic right now. Like, hey, hey. what were you going to say? I was going to say, for people that don't know, give them a, give them a, uh, it's an impossible oh, yes. show to give a synopsis, but okay, just to paint but, a small picture. Yes. So it's in the boonies of Oklahoma. There is okay. a polygamist, gay, mullet, gun shooting, big cat owner, like side of the road, sideshow zoo owner. Right. Okay. And they've he's got tigers and lions. It's just like and he raises them and he has a zoo of it. And he's in this Hatchfield and McCoy beef with this lady who's doing the same thing in Florida. And they both trying to take each other out. And it's just about this, this look into this world of these these people that are into owning big cats. But what I find so entertaining is that backwoods, Texas, Oklahoma, mullet, gun shooting, because I don't get it. I'm like, I don't understand y'all. So this is so entertaining to me. There's nothing more entertaining to me than that world of white people. Because there's like, no empathy, like not not I have, you're not an empathetic you're, person. You're, you're I, I don't reference. understand this yeah. at all. I have no, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mayonnaise sandwich eating mullet. Like <laughs> I don't get it so it's so entertaining to me i'm like i don't understand what is what is happening this kid you're martians you're martians to me so i'm like i want to take like i want to i want to when i remember when swamp when you remember when swamp people was on mm -hmm. i was like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen because i was like i don't understand this in any way i don't understand this at all so i can't i find it so entertaining and educational so for me yeah. this is a bullseye i need something that has nothing to do with what we're going through and that I don't understand at all. I'm like, this yeah. is the most entertaining thing. I just, it's, this is bizarre at a level. And then as the more you get into it, it before it, before it becomes like this circus clown that you're watching, then you actually start being like, Oh crap. Like this is getting dark, man. I really feel yeah. for this guy. Yeah, like, and then towards yeah. the end, you're like, Oh, I really do. Actually, I do understand this guy. It's, we're all just yeah, humans. It's perfect. Right. It's a perfect, it's it's a perfect, perfect. arc. Some, we're all just humans. Like, some yes. of us own some of us own illegal tigers. That's all. That's all. That's all. We're just people, man. Some of us sell we're drugs and got illegal cars in the back. Some of us got chop shops. Some of us some. got tigers. I, I, if it helps at all, as somebody, I live in the South. White guy who, who lives in the South has spent most of his life yeah. in the South. I don't understand. I I would I, I would know. I would starve and die if you drop me if you airdrop me into the middle of that part of Oklahoma. I would be Done. unable to function. You might as it might Dude, even be the, hey. the backwoods of Egypt. Yes. I, I, well, I don't I don't know. I, I I find myself very comfortable around people who own exotic animals. I don't know why. I just always have. I I just am very very comfortable. I think we understand them. Well, yes. prop, right. thanks, man. Any thanks uh, any for, other recommendations? Man, really, like that's where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. Is okay. is Fair legit and that one. Yes, Origami Fridays and Tiger King. You heard it. Uh, that's, that's the prop the prop picks. The prop picks. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think we better wrap it up. Hey, many thanks to David Kinneman for taking time to talk to us. You can and should follow him at David Kinneman. Uh, that's Ken Kinneman is K-I-N-N-A-M-A-N at David Kinneman. Uh, also, hey, make sure you check out our church leadership podcast called. You can download that wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and hey, Many thanks to our friend Propaganda. Always love having Prop on. You can follow him at Prop Hip Hop and check out all his music wherever you get your tunes. And while you're on our app, our Apple Podcast page, make sure you subscribe to Relevant Daily. 
where we'd bring you the top three stories at the intersection of faith and culture Monday through Friday, 10 minutes a spot. I uh, would love to see you over there as well. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Taylor Strink. I'm Jesse Carey. This is Propaganda. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe go and like walk down the aisle and write up on somebody relevant podcast network